Balls are back. Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. Oh, could be Wayne. I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh. I love it, baby. Them orange britches. Something about them orange britches. Ball hit high in the air in the right field. Going back to Sayre. And Tennessee can say hello win column. A grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. You can't draw it up any better. We just won a basketball game, and we're very happy right now. I made up my mind. I don't want to stretch ever look back. I'm going to stay at the University of Tennessee. Yeah! Rid it, did to do, and welcome into more important issues. It is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. I say the year because I finally got it right on the graphic. A little Perfect. victories here. Sorry, we're a little late. This is a more important issues after dark episode. We've got a great guest coming on. Very excited for that. Tennessee wins basketball. Moving on. Listen, we wanted the double bob, but if we're going to play today, we might as well win. That's how I see it. Uh, yeah, we just put another – and we weren't going to get that win any other way, so might as well just get an extra one in the win column, right? Why not? John Wilkerson would love it. We've got Evan Russell. Speaking of John Wilkerson, big baseball guy, we got Evan Russell coming on later. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Great interview and shouldn't be any more uh, – you should be able to hear him this time because we – didn't mess up, I think. <laughs> I won't. I won't promise. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have said that until after. But oh, we tried not to mess up. I'll say that yeah. we did try our best. We gave our all for Tennessee today, so hopefully, so uh, we talk a little bit about Boston College this past Tuesday night with him. But we talk about the season as a whole, uh, kind of where this ten- team can go. But we'll we'll kind of wrap it up as well. And uh, another exciting weekend series coming up. It is a little chilly, so crowd may not be the best. But if you're there, get rowdy. Hornets nest, right? Oh yeah. Always. Yeah. If you got questions, drop it. It was, dude. It was a rowdy crowd, and it really got fired up. Uh, I think the umpire even had to go. Uh, I think third base umpire even took a jog out to to left field. I don't know what he said, but he said something to some guys on the porches. Um, no I don't know what was going on. Yeah, I, I don't. They didn't seem upset with him, so I don't. I don't know what was. I don't know what transpired, but he did make that jog out there during a timeout so you know we're trying to speed up the game and, and the third base umpire is running out to left field no big deal uh if you got any questions drop them in the chat let's talk anything you want to talk about it's more important after dark this could go off the rails and i'm excited for it i cannot wait yeah. before we do that though i want to give a shout out to our really good friends over at underdog collectibles underdog is knoxville's best sports collectible store with a wide selection of ut cards autographs and memorabilia whether you're looking for a Peyton Manning autographed helmet or the most recent tops baseball card release you'll find it at Underdog. The shop is owned by UT graduates and proudly supports UT sports by hosting NIL events throughout the year. Stop by the University Common Shopping Center next to Publix and Domino's to check them out. Open six days a week with live YouTube shows, three nights per week. Remember to always bet on the Underdog. Shout out on Underdog Collectibles. Love them over there. Best in the business. Awesome, guys. Opening up some great cards. I don't know if you've seen uh, some of the latest that they've gotten into. Tonight or today, they were opening up some uh, college football cards. I believe they got a Nolan Smith one. They did get a Will Levis. That stinks. But, yeah, some some cool cards they've been pulling lately. Yeah, and and as you make your way to Lindsey Nelson this weekend, stop in and check them out. Um, got a lot, They got something for everybody. So uh, go check them out um, right there in uh, University Commons. So 
You can you can park. You can go in there. You're a paying customer, so you can park there and then walk to the stadium. Easy. I'm not telling you to park there. I'm not that bold. But yeah, listen to Landon, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's let's get right into basketball. It is okay. SEC tournament time. Taking on the Music City crowd. Good crowd. Other than that Vanderbilt fan, he doesn't get the honor of being a Tennessee fan. That was no. ridiculous. Um, don't care. That, that it doesn't matter that your wife, whatever. Pick a side. I, honestly, I th- you're a Vanderbilt fan. Pick that side. I don't want you. Yeah, what was the reasoning? I had to mute it, and thank God, because um, he grew up a Tennessee fan. I think he made it sound like he wasn't. He's was like, my dad's a Tennessee fan, and then he's like, so I've been a Tennessee fan my whole life. I I would just say I'm a Tennessee fan. Is <laughs> how I would open that. Uh, then he said his wife went to Vanderbilt. So yeah, she uh, I, I guess I don't I don't understand. Um, but yeah, my uh, wife uh, went to Arkansas State. I'm not out here supporting Bush Jones. It's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> Would you support him if Butch Jones wasn't the coach? Would you be a Red Red Hawks, I believe? Red Wolves. We talked about this. Are we sure? We talked about this in Vegas. We sat around one of the just gods being the Red Wolves. Had, I know it. I know it is. Okay. We talked about it. Um they used to be like I think that yeah, they are the Red Wolves. I think we talked about this in I think one of the uh, quizzes I took, Sporkle quizzes, said Red Hawks, and it, it was wrong. Maybe that was it. But, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, let's talk Nashville. I'm going to be honest. And not that you know Tennessee didn't start off well. I think Rick Barnes mentioned it. They were on pace to score 80 points. I, I just thought um, their game against South Carolina, I thought they looked confident. And, and a team that's playing with an interim coach with nothing to lose, with um, – your talks of another coach being hired, I think, are scary teams. Uh, they're playing for that guy on their bench. Sure. It's a little – I mean, we just know it. That, that's another part, too. Tennessee can lose any game. Um, so, I was a little worried about this. They did get the short end of the stick. I don't understand why a team that plays last night has to play at 3 p.m. today. Didn't they play the – they were the 7 p.m. game, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't really make much sense, but whatever. Um, don't don't, yeah, don't I, have I, to play that first round, I guess. <laughs> right. So you had that, you know, you had that going for you. But I mean, I thought Tennessee responded from their mistakes well, and I mean, I, it sucks because I feel like you pointed that win, and you're like, see, that's what Tennessee could be. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, they they kind of they went on that run to to end the half, and they kind of dominated from from then on. I think when Josiah hit that three, you felt like it was kind of in the bag, like you didn't think Tennessee was going to lose that game. Mm-hmm. Um, now I guess. The batter ball center, maybe anything can happen, but you felt like Tennessee was in control. Even you know, being down seven to Tennessee is is like you're down twenty. Yeah, sort of. I mean, Tennessee gets up twelve one, at one point, uh, whittles it back. Ole Miss whittled it back down to three or four. Can't remember off the top of my head. I have to look at this, um, game summary there, but whittles it back down. But yeah, then Tennessee jumps out to a fourteen point lead, and I think that's the I think that's the team that's gonna the thing that's gonna benefit te- this team in March um, is that. I mean, and they have to they have to do this, and where they can go on longer, more sustained runs than the opposing team. Because um, from like you said, from that mark in the first half, or as the first half ended, Ole Miss was never really they never felt like they were back in it uh, because you limited those runs that they could go on. So you, you do have to find a way to do that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, they I think they're second worst in three point percentage and. In, in, 
Ole Miss was four. They started the game out four for four. It just felt like a game that was like when the game started. It just felt like, oh, of course we run into you know Sister Jean, you know, the Cinderella team, the SEC tournament. Um, but then they, I think they went one for seven the rest of the half. So um, it, it right. turned around pretty quick. And Tennessee was hot from three. Um, it wasn't just Ole Miss and. And maybe that game is a lot different if Tennessee isn't able to come out and hit shots and kind of match what Ole Miss did. Um, but Tennessee just kind of put it in the way, put it away in the second half with their defense, um, kept the turnovers to a minimum, which it was weird because we doubled them in turnovers, um, but we still won by 15 points. Um, <laughs> and, I'm not and, sure and many teams do that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how many points they had off turnovers. I'd, I'd have to go and, and find that, but they they did they were able to capitalize off several of those too, which isn't normally good. And like you mentioned, somehow Tennessee wins by fifteen, uh, nineteen to nineteen at one point in the first half, and and it felt like Tennessee's defense just got better from there, and so that's a positive. I hope that that carries in. I I really don't know what to make of this team, and I think that's the case for a lot of people because I just don't know what you're going to get on any given night. If you have the defense you had. Yeah, and I know Ole Miss isn't the best team. I mean, it pisses me off that they do the seedings on ESPN because Ole Miss should never have a number 13 next to this team's name, ever. It's the dumbest thing ever. Um, <laughs> don't do that. But I know they're not good. Um, but, I mean, holding any team to 55 points in an SEC play is is pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the defense stood out in the second half. Uh, I think another weird stat, they had 17 fast break points. We had two. Um, I don't understand Tennessee's fast break points. I was going to bring that up. Uh, someone posted, I think, on VolQuest maybe, Tennessee had like 75 points and uh, 75 fast break points in SEC play. I don't understand how a team can play such good defense and not score on the break. I don't get that. Well, I mean, most of it comes from like – I mean, I know we get a lot of steals and stuff, but it's usually like we don't get out and run after those steals. It's not like we're right. jumping passing lanes. It's usually we're, we're – pick in their pocket and and i think part of that is too is is a lot of your guys um in your backcourt too are, are smaller guys you have zakaya and uh vescovi who aren't really able and then jamai mayshack who's just not excellent um you know trying to go score that that makes it more difficult i mean you're only guys that are probably going to go and challenge guys at the hole or, or julian phillips and josiah jordan james and when they get stills i guess they normally do they're probably where a lot of those fast break points come yeah, and you're kind of talking about earlier the um, how you know you don't know what to make about this team. The good thing is, about that is I don't know what to make of any team. Yeah, like, there's I mean, no team that just yeah. like oh they they're for sure going to be in the final four. I mean, I think I think the NCAA tournament. I mean, I guess as much as every year it's kind of up for grabs, but I think this year is is a different animal in regards to that because I I truly do not know a single team that I'm confident putting in the final four. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and like you said, that that definitely uh, has carries pros and cons because Tennessee isn't one that I think you could ever even pencil in there. Uh, you don't want that eraser on your bracket. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think some of the best teams in college basketball, Alabama, for example, they have their struggles. Um, they struggle inside, and and the night they're missing shots, how many second chance points are they going to get? And you're going to miss shots at some point in March, and you got to find ways to overcome that. Houston, who's probably been the most consistent, probably they just haven't played the best opponents, and they still have had weird moments throughout their season. So you just don't know really what to make of them. Um, 
and then uh, to be fair to to some of these Big Twelve teams, Big Twelve is one of the basketball conferences that really beats up on each other. Um, so I think it is kind of hard to judge. But you know, one of your best teams in Kansas, Tennessee, obviously has the ability to beat, which means there's a lot hey, of teams. Two that and have against the Big Twelve, baby. Right. Uh, exactly. Um, so, I mean, that, that is, you know, that makes, that makes that pretty interesting. Um, and then, I mean, you'll find out some of these, uh, you know, big East schools that can, I mean, the big East, I always feel like you watch their turn, their conference tournament and you, you know, there's going to be two teams that make a, make a run in the tournament. It's just like, I don't know if it runs right. They play in the second weekend, at least I should say, mm-hmm. just feels yeah. like there's always those two teams. Villanova is probably that team Villanova, this year. Yeah. Yeah, Gonzaga is probably gonna. This is probably gonna be the year Gonzaga makes a run at least to the Final Four. Uh, might be might be Mark Fuse Mark Fuse year because I mean you, normally they dominate the regular season and, and can't finish. So maybe this is it. I don't know, man. <laughs> they are. Bad. How much are you gonna hate yourself if Drew Timmy wins a national championship? They all lose. My, I'll, I'll be. I'm done. Done. Done wa- watching college basketball. If Drew Timmy wins a national championship this year. <laughs> Um, but I, I was, I was, it was good to see the veterans in Santi and Josiah just kind of show out and, and be the dominant players that they should be not in and not out. And Viscovi's kind of, you know, I know Josiah's dealt with injury and Viscovi's kind of carried us, but um, it, it's nice to see those shots go in early. And I, I think everybody, it just kind of comes contagious at that point. Mm hmm. Like, I think having somebody else besides Santi hit a three, I think that only helps Santi out. He's like, oh, okay, like, I don't have to come up and shoot a three. Like, somebody else can make one on the team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, that's got to alleviate some. And I think, too, that goes kind of into a point where – and Rick Barnes mentioned this, too, in the post game. I don't know if you still had it muted then with uh, Marty Smith, how this team is kind of difficult because you don't know what you're going to get from guys every night it's different guys. And, and so they just have to kind of find the right formula. that's going to work that specific night. Um, obviously with, I think to win, you need Vescovi to play well, minimum, uh, no matter who the other two or three guys are. I think, I think now that uh, Zakai is down, I think it's gotta be Tyreek key too. And I know you won without him tonight, quote unquote. I mean, three points, he didn't score until late in the game. Um, but I think this game is probably well in hand earlier if, if he's playing better. And I think you're going to need him come tournament time. Jamai Meshack just can't produce on the offensive end like Zakiah could, so you need that production made up somewhere. And I think he's a guy that's going to have to find a way to be more impactful like he was in November, December. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking it's it's Olivier. Um, and if there's any time in your Tennessee career to find some consistency, now's the time. Um you know, I, I don't I trust any of our bigs. Sorry. Yeah, I, I hate to kind of be that way, but I, I feel like he is your most polished offensive player that that is a post. Um, and I think he can he can give you some mismatches. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not able to just throw some random, you know, big guy in there and, and you're gonna shy away and, and not do anything like you did against Auburn in the second half. But um, you know, I I feel like he can give you something. And we've seen it throughout the year. I mean, Texas, he scores, what, 27 points? Um, if he can find some sort of – which he played well today. Didn't have a, a huge game, but enough offensive production to alleviate some of the um, work from from Saunders. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, you definitely do need a big man. I, I can't disagree with that. I just don't trust him enough to 
please just play well defensively, get rebounds. Like that's all I really ask for. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And and that's, dude, I love watching Toby Walker. Toby Walker. I mean, that dude is a tank. He looks like he's gotten. I mean, I'm sure it has to do with him just being in a weight program, but it it seems like he's just gotten bigger as the season's gone. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he's a guy he that threw a guy off of him to grab a rebound. I, I he he's a guy too that. Um, speaking of you know time to start playing well, I mean he's so physical that I think if you could get quality offensive play out of him, that would be the best situation for your basketball team in March. I, I think that would be the best option if he somehow found it. I don't bank on him finding it. I think that's unfair to necessarily ask that, but if he somehow did, holy crap, look out! Yeah, and Ole Miss isn't gonna really hurt us inside i think their biggest guys like six eight um mm-hmm. and we destroyed them on the boards and it wasn't just our bigs it was everybody just saw and, and santi had you know big days on on the glass but i think we wanted 38 to 20 something 22 yeah, yeah. so um I mean, which we is just so dominated. weird it really i i need to look at offensive rebounds it just felt like yeah we only grabbed i say only grabbed nine it just felt like we could not get any or many, I should say, second chance points. It really did feel like they were scrapping on those boards. Uh, so, I mean, nine's pretty good. Uh, I'm not discrediting what we did, but it just did not feel like a ton of second chance points. Yeah. Yeah, probably should have got more, especially against them. But, you know, you shot 47%. So, um, most of your <laughs> not as many opportunities. anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a normal night where you're trying to – you're bricking everything so you can get some more offensive rebounds. I'd rather not have offensive rebounds. If that's if that's what it takes, <laughs> I'd rather not Fair have. Fair point. <laughs> Are we, if, we, if we somehow shoot better at all these neutral sites, I'm going to be a little upset. But at the same time, how can you be? It just felt like – and it shouldn't be this way. It felt like Tennessee just could not hit shots in Thompson Bowling Arena this year. I don't know what our percentage was. I mean, especially at the free throw line, you know they couldn't. But it just really did not feel like that was our arena at all. I mean, that should be where you're most comfortable. That's where you practice. Um, that's where you shoot the most. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Well, and kind of another good thing of where we're at in the season is, like, you don't have to play at – anywhere else like you're not on the road anymore and, and Tennessee I think lost four of their last five road games to end the season I mean that's yeah that's where I'm just like glad that's over because <laughs> you know hopefully this team finds a and you know one good thing about this SEC tournament is like this team's been there before mm-hmm. like most of those guys had an impact in in, in last year's um run and you know hopefully that's this is something to kind of keep them going. I mean, all I your think, starters. I think we kind of rode Julian that Brooks. high all the way through the SEC tournament, and it just dropped off for the NCAA tournament. Hopefully, we like we weren't on too much of a high to have a high now and just keep it going through the NCAA tournament. That's yeah, I'm and not – I mean, obviously, I'd rather make a run in, in the NCAA tournament if I had to choose, but I, I wouldn't mind finding a way to get back-to-back. That wouldn't bother me at all. Here, here's a question. Would you rather win the SEC uh, tournament championship or would you rather make the Elite Eight? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, I, you know, it, it would be nice to hold an SEC championship over Kentucky fans' heads, um, but Kentucky fans are also too stupid to argue with. Um, so that makes it difficult. You can't tell them that, hey, we beat you in a chance that you had to beat us. Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Final fa- Final Four banners are really cool, but 
they're not championships. And if you get to the Elite Eight, I mean, you're not even getting to the Final Four. I don't know. It, that is a that's a tough one. Um, Here's I the thing: those these, those first couple weeks of the tournament is going to be electric if Tennessee's winning or going to the Elite Eight. I think this year because it's back to back. I think I'd rather get the back to back. But you also have to tell me we at least make it to the second weekend. Like I have to be playing in the Sweet Sixteen. That's my caveat. Yeah, if you we can't get bounced in game one, you would definitely rather make the elite. <clears throat> Guarantee your spot in the Elite Eight, then win and lose in the second round. Yeah, win the yeah, SEC yeah. tournament and win and lose in the second round. Yeah, I want at least at least Sweet Sixteen. I need okay. at least a Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, I think winning in March is fun, um, no matter what. So, yeah, I think getting that back to back would be cool. But like I said, unfortunately, they're just too dumb to argue with. They don't understand that. Um, they'll they'll I mean they'll hang their they'll be super proud of their SEC championships, but when other people win them, they somehow don't matter anymore. Right. And looking at the SEC, um, there were some good games. Like, the first couple games were really good. I know Tennessee kind of ran away with um, theirs. We had Florida and Mississippi State go to overtime today. Um, I'm trying to think of who else played. Who was, who was the game after us? Arkansas? Um. I turned it off then. Oh, that sounds right. What am I? I'm looking at the wrong schedule right now. Um, oh, I have it right here. I'm so sorry. That was Arkansas and Auburn, yeah. Who won that game? We've been going at it since then, so I haven't had a chance to check. Um, Mississippi State beat Florida by 69-68. That was the game before us. That's why I got moved back, right, I'm assuming? Yeah, that's why I got pushed back. Arkansas so beat weird. Auburn. Arkansas beat Auburn. Wow, 76-73. So Auburn's probably done. Yeah, I don't, where where were they out on? Were they for were they bubble team coming in? Yeah, I know that that win against us probably helps them, but losing in the second yeah. round the conference right. tournament did not help them. And their first game, like they don't, they didn't even get a win in the conference tournament either. Yep. <laughs> um, and then LSU and Vandy play. Right. I don't know when that Arkansas-Auburn game ended, but they were slated to play at 9. It doesn't look like it started yet, but I can't tell. ESPN may just not update it. Yeah, I can't <laughs> so I'm not sure. Here. Yeah, I don't think it started yet. It has not. It has not started. Well, Tennessee plays Missouri uh, tomorrow. What time is that game? It is uh, – it'll be at like – it's 30 minutes it's, after it's at three. the first it's game, at, and the first game's at noon. So I yeah, would guess around three, three is my guess. Yeah. Um, well, another tough um, day to kind of work around I think, work. But. Yeah, I think Alabama, too. I, I think they've got to be on, on upset alert right now. They struggle with Mississippi State, and I mentioned they just – they don't – that was at home. And Mississippi State really played well inside the paint with Alabama. And if they're able to do that again, I think – it's going to be a struggle of a game, um, so I'm interested to kind of see what happens there. Alabama is obviously a really good basketball team, and, and they have a great chance to win it. But I think it's a it's an interesting matchup for sure. Um, so a guy that uh, I'm friends with is at the SEC tournament, and I'm tweeting him right now: "Be careful being in the same uh, building <laughs> as Brandon Miller." Well, yeah, well, I mean, just don't go near his car. Um, you know, apparently he didn't leave his car, so I think you're fine. Just if you see any Dodge Chargers, walk the opposite direction. 
Wrong place, wrong time. What about Rick Barnes kind of coming out with that? I, and, I, I, you know, uh, there's an argument to be made for gun owner, responsible gun ownership. But I think at that age, um, and, and maybe his rule wasn't completely laid out. He just said no guns and no violence, especially against women. Um, you know, I'm sure he doesn't mean like you can't go hunting. But if you're around campus, if you're going to a bar and you have a gun, I don't think anything good's going to come from that. And I don't mind that rule. I mean, you got to be smart. And uh, if you're in a place that you think you need a gun, you probably shouldn't be there as a, an 18, 19-year-old kid. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of any place that I've been where I'm like, yeah, I need a, gu- a gun to go in here. Especially especially a place that I'm like going to eat or going to hang out. Like, yeah, yeah. no, I, I don't think I would be there. And, and I, I think um, – I don't think enough criticism has been brought to Nate Oates in the sense of just – He's respond. He's the coach. He brought Brandon Miller to Alabama. Um, I mean, maybe it's different in this era of you know NIL and stuff. Well, but he didn't win SEC Coach of the Year, which I thought was correct. hilarious. But I mean, your job is to be their guide and mentor. Like you're, you know, I I know the term kid is kind of loose with an 18 year old, but they're they're barely adults. I mean, they're still going to make dumb decisions, and you should have things in your program that help them. And, and it didn't, doesn't seem you did. And, and I'm even to the point of like, you know, if you're from where I can look at Brandon Miller, like, I don't know, I'm not willing to stand up here and go, he should be charged with something because I don't know the laws and I don't know. But the fact that he won't even come out and say, Hey, he wasn't making great decisions. We had a discussion. That's not going to happen again. Like he won't even take the Nick Saban route of internal discipline. I think it's, it's a little troubling if I'm a, if I'm a parent and I care about my kid and I want to send him to go under Nate Oates, like I, that's troublesome. Well, and and Nate Oates kind of put a, you know, I guess this is a little pun intended, but um, kind of put a little target on his back. You know, no one wants to see them win a national championship. No one wants to see Brandon no. Miller win a national championship because of Nate Oates. It's not because of – it's not really because of what Brandon Miller did. It was the fact that Nate Oates didn't do put- anything about it. <laughs> He won't put any responsibility on anyone. I mean, not even himself. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that would be even more respectable as if he said, you know, I wasn't doing my, I wasn't doing my job and I wasn't being, um, I wasn't being the head of the program. And I was letting, cause the fact of the matter is, uh, yeah, they want to say miles is injured. Wasn't really on the basketball team anymore. Yada, yada, yada. He was a basketball player at Alabama. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I just, it's, I get it. You can't necessarily take responsibility for that in terms of you don't want to be punished by the law for any reason. But uh, I just think you could have done a better job of um, pretending like you care about these guys. Oh, so uh, this is funny that this just popped up. Congrats to Coach Oates, who has been named a finalist for the Jim Film Coach of the Year Award. Yeah, that came out today. Um, or yesterday, one or the other. So, I don't know. Maybe he gets it, but whatever. I mean, he was—he wasn't even top two in the SEC, right? It was—it was, it was uh, which is interesting. And, yeah, I don't know how Missouri coach, whatever his name is, uh, I don't know how he doesn't win that. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat because I mean, Stackhouse was like on the hot seat, and I wouldn't say like he did enough this year to say his seat isn't hot next I think, year. I think Buzz Williams and uh, Jerry Stackhouse had impressive years. And, um, you know, I'm not saying they're not deserving of the award, 
I just think there's at least a third guy who is. I don't, I don't know how that voting works, and I don't know where well, their yeah. heads were at when they made those new, votes. New I'm, coach, a bunch of new players on that roster. I mean, and he turned it into like, I mean, a top four team in the SEC, a top fringe top twenty five team. You know, I don't think anybody was counting Missouri as a. Mm-hmm. I think most teams in this league would count them as a. Hey, that's an easy win. I think the same thing can be said for A&M, too. I hate Buzz Williams. You've heard me rant about him, but he's done a good job. Yeah. I shouldn't say I hate Buzz Williams. I hate the way he acts on the sideline. I hate his vest. Just put on a jersey if you're going to stand on the court. Good. Like, go full baseball manager and do it. I mean, he basically – he's wearing a vest. It's basically a jersey. <laughs> Just going no shirt underneath. Yeah. Sleeveless, baby. Yeah. That's kind of all I got for, for basketball. Um, yeah. I'm excited. I, I am kind of excited – I don't know. Again, I don't know what to expect for Tennessee, but I do think, um, I do think Tennessee has as good of a chance as a lot of teams to make a run in the tournament. And I yeah, do I think, I do think having Josiah and Santi play the way that they did, it tells me that that team is not done. It tells me that that team does not want their season to end anytime soon, and and I hope that that is the case. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> All right, we are now going to bring on a very special guest. We're excited um, to bring him on. This is uh, we'll call this a, a makeup game um, for the last time. Hopefully, our our connections better here. Um, if not, I guess he'll just have to come on a third time. I don't I don't know. Yeah, Maybe yeah, fourth, fifth. Keep <laughs> we'll keep trying. Uh, now, hopefully, you know we we love Evan Russell and um, great ambassador for the University of Tennessee. We mention it, um, but uh, holds a career record games played for in a Tennessee jersey. Um so all time vol. We appreciate him. Here's Evan Russell. Evan Russell, baby. Woo. What's up everybody? We welcome on to the show Evan Russell VFL. And we're here to talk about some baseball. That's what we're here to do. Baseball, baseball, baseball. It's baseball season. We're ready for it. Uh I just saw where Ben Joyce is um, dominating the Team USA, so um, got to love all that. So, Evan, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on. I, hey, I felt bad the last time. It was just a hodgepodge of just mess. So, I, I definitely wanted to, to rewrite that and, and get you back on. So, because everybody was like, dude, I couldn't hear anything. I was like, I know, I'm sorry. Like, it's my fault. I'm terrible at production. <laughs> so, well, anytime you deal with technology, you're going to run through yeah. some of that stuff. Yeah, but I, I'm glad you were able to get me back on and yeah. um, get this thing going. So you watch the game on Tuesday. I guess the first question for me is how often do y'all practice base running? <laughs> well, that's the thing is they probably are practicing base running every day. And, you know, they're the coaches, they're writing off checklists of what they're practicing on. I mean, they're covering – all the basics and in depth of leadoffs to jumps to reads and, and et cetera. So um, they're definitely putting in the time. Now, clearly, it did not show Tuesday, and it's sort of been a struggle all season for these guys. But I, I think they're dealing with a lot of turnover from last year, not dealing with the experienced guys and, and sort of just figuring out that practicing base running compared to naturally being a good base runner and doing it in a game, there's a big difference. Yeah, I've kind of thought that the whole time. It's like you can see the struggle of it a little bit. Like there's talent, obviously, but it 
it's like, I guess y'all benefited. I know 2020 sucked, but it also benefited you guys because you still like kept intact that nucleus from past years. So you always had you or you, Luke and um, Beck and, and Gilbert and, and Redmond, um, you know, all those guys got to stay. And so it just it just seems like there's a little bit of maybe getting their feet wet and actually playing with one another, which they haven't really gotten to do. Yeah, and that COVID year, it definitely it hurt a lot of things when it come to it comes to a lot of people's draft projections and things like that. But um, it developed a year of just practicing and being in the system for a lot of our guys, and that's something that the guys now don't have the luxury of having. Um, they're they're basically going back to normal and eyes me fifth year guys and things like that. So uh, the finer details that we were able to really master last year because we were a bunch of older guys, you're going to see them struggle a little bit this year, and they have. But um, I think it will progress the more that they do fail and understand that they have to take care of those things. Sure. And my first question is not really – I mean, it's obviously related Tuesday night, but not just Tuesday night. Um, kind of learning how to win. You obviously came to Tennessee when winning wasn't necessarily expected. Um I think it was 2021, I guess, when you guys got the nickname Hard Eight Kids. I mean, you had that – was it nine walk-offs that year? Is that how many? Oh, yeah. quite a bit. Um, just, I mean, saying so, then obviously the famous Gilbert one there uh, at the regional. What what does it take to kind of – is it literally just you got to grind through some of these tough losses, find ways to get tough wins? I mean, Tennessee's already had three this year. Is that just kind of the um, – the, the you trust the process kind of deal? Yeah, I think that everything kind of snowballs. I think it can snowball positively, or I think it can go the opposite way. And seeing guys like um, Jared Dickey in a big-time situation, other than that, he did what he was supposed to do. Um, it, it just it, it wasn't clicking on all cylinders for the team. And I think that they put themselves in a the situation to win that game. And that, that's just how it works. That, that's how they're going to have to um, figure out, fight through these tough times and, and figure out how to – um, close those games out, the ones that you're not even necessarily supposed to win, but you have plenty of opportunities to. So seeing them struggle right then, but understand that they had plenty of chances to win that game, um, I, I think that is where they need to take the positives of it opposed to looking at it negatively and, and thinking that, um, you know, that's going to be the normal of losing those games when uh, I, I think that they've developed a culture of winning the close ones over the year over the years past. So is there anything that really pops out to you in, in terms of this team is like, man, if if our team would have had that, it could have been a lot different? Yeah, I really think um, if we would have had a second-year Blake Burke, it would have been <laughs> yeah, much different. Helped. <laughs> it would have helped a ton, which – Pretty good. Um, the dude – yeah, the dude was clearly showing some flashes of excellence last year, but um, he, he's a completely different dude now. Um, I, I think, to be honest, I think that Charlie Taylor defensively back there now is is it's better than I was able to provide last year with the offensive side. It, it's to be determined, but um, I, I think that having a more established defensive catcher and more established arms on the mound definitely is something that they have progressed in, um, and and they're more talented when it comes to athletic. Um, at the shortstop and the second base position, you know, Jarrell and, and Cortland, they did a fantastic job last year 
when it comes to making the, the routine plays and supplying a lot of power and, and some big-time hits. But I think Maui and Christian Moore are able to be a little more athletic um, at that position. And, you know, I, I think they have a little more, bit more upside. But, um, you know, that's all to be determined. I want to flash back to Blake Burke real quick Tuesday night. Uh, what were your thoughts when he when he turned to go to go three? <laughs> were you a whoa 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 guy? Or? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't really um, blowing my my eyes <laughs> or blowing you know the the doors off the the place by his speed. Um, and, and I don't think he's known for that. But as he was turning, <laughs> you know, I trust his judgment. But um, I, I was I was kind of shocked if he was going to get there. Not to be honest. Yeah, but, it was close. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't, that wasn't the most impressive triple I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, he should he should be very confident in his hitting abilities, but when it comes to stealing bags, I don't see him making a career out of. <laughs> <laughs> know your role. Um, I, I did want to ask you about the catchers and um and Charlie Taylor and, and those guys. So so Cal Stark had had the collision the other night. What what have you seen from the catchers and also like as far as collisions go, like, you offer practice anything like that? Or is it just kind of like you just get used to it? Or y'all out there like Happy Gilmore just like in the batting cages, just taking it off the chest? Or, or how, how is that? We definitely never really practice much collision-wise. Um, we would have some, some situations where we would try to um, have kind of a rough slide and things like that. But um, it's almost like the mentality – uh, of behind the plate that you want to deliver the blow opposed to getting the blow. And, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly in competition. So um, at the end of the day, would you rather yourself get hurt or the opposing player, which you don't want anyone else to get hurt. But um, if you have that mentality of not being too passive, usually the collisions can be avoided. And so that, that was something that was sort of preached into the mentality, but um, when it comes to the catchers, I, I think the catchers have done fantastic when it comes to controlling the game, um, taking care of your pitchers defensively and stuff. Um, but, but now it's sort of trying to figure out the role of the team offensively from that position. So are you the best football player on the baseball team? Did you feel confident in saying that? When it comes to um, laying the blow on defense, I don't know if anybody else – um, has the the highlights that I had, um, whether they they would make an argument or not. But Drew Bain probably had a better career. Oh yeah, he's keeping one. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, he he was pretty good, and I, I'm pretty sure if Jordan Beck would have decided to play football, uh, he could have blown anything that I ever done out of the water. But um, no, I, I would say that I could put my huddle highlights up against a lot of people. There you go. I like. I I need to Google that. I googled you before because yeah. I'm just interested. Like. When I Google myself, like it's like an old man somewhere in like Massachusetts. <laughs> but um, when I Googled you, it, it pulled up and I saw your you were number four and you had the little um, whatever that picture was, but you had the football out. So what position did you play? Yeah, I was I never really came off the field. Um, I had Athlete. I, I was I was pretty, um, pretty excited to always be, you know, on the offensive or the defensive side. I, I enjoyed football. I probably liked football a little more than baseball in high school, to be honest. Um, but I, I never projected at all um, as a <laughs> collegiate football player. So um, I had the luxury of winning um, the West Tennessee Defensive Player of the Year. So I was a, I was a pretty um, versatile guy when it comes to 
playing some safety, dropping back or dropping into an outside linebacker role, just anything, sort of a rover type player on defense. But um, I truly enjoyed contact. And, and I think that's what translated to me being able to pick up the catcher position uh, a little easier. We could have used you during spring practice. Josh Eiple was was low on linebackers. They they would have abused me. I would have been the tackling or the the practice dummy out there. Yeah, man. After seeing some of those guys walking around in the the athletic dining hall and things like that, there is no chance I would have strapped up on the pads with them. So when you play when you played catcher and you realized how much contact there was, were you just you kind of regret ever playing in the outfield in college? You could have been doing that the whole time. Oh, I hundred percent regret not making that transition earlier, but I think it was like the third week of of my catching season. I took a ball off the collarbone and it fractured my collarbone. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't have to miss any time doing it, but man, it crushed me whenever it came to throwing for the rest of the year. Um, but after that moment, I was definitely not um, too excited about going to catch Chase Dollander and, uh, ben Joyce, whenever I knew if that hit again, whew, it was not it was not fun. Well, the good thing you, in the outfield, you made plenty of contact with walls in your time, too. That's the thing. I, I had to separate myself when it comes to the contact because guys like Seth Stevenson, Drew Gilbert, they, they could run down the ball uh, twice as far as I could. So I had to separate myself and um, try to provide something in the outfield. But um, I, I think they got much better defensively whenever they put me behind the plate. Did it? So, I did you think, ever get called off contact in practice? I think we heard a story after Drew Gilbert got injured. I don't know if that was in. I don't know when that happened throughout the season for him last year, but we heard a story about uh, Tony Vitello saying he had to he had to call him off the wall a couple of times in practice. Were you, did they just kind of let you go at it? Or yeah, I wasn't nearly as valuable as the four hole. <laughs> <laughs> first rounder but um <laughs> oh man drew he would he would no joke try to tear that wall down to just get a ball he, he told me one time that his mentality if you ever threw like a a frisbee or something to a golden retriever no matter what that golden retriever was going to catch it try try to catch it and that's what he said his mentality was even in practice <laughs> and i believe it man he, he would he would get after it and i think that's what made him such a good player and um, I think that anyone that is wanting to play outfield um, at a high level, you've got to develop that at a young age for you to um, really be the best that you can be. So we had a question submitted anonymously, and I want to ask it to you. So um, it says, what was it like rooming with Jared Dickey on the road, and why was he such a big part in the success of your career? <laughs> Jared Dickey was – um, he was the, the calming piece before the storm, especially whenever he was hurt, um, knowing that it, before he was hurt, whenever he was producing at a super high level, uh, he, I was almost trying to get some tips from him, see what he was doing at the plate. But um, having, having a guy like Jared Dickey, you, you see him on the field. He's a versatile guy. He does everything. He did that in the, as a roommate as well. So um, he's one of my best friends and, uh, it's it's super cool to see the the success that he's having. So is he is he bring you know the snacks or you know what kind of a roommate is he? Well, we had to be careful with the snacks because I think it was like two years ago he was 
He's pretty heavy. <laughs> he was. Um, <laughs> Unrecognizable. Yeah. yeah, so um, he had to – I'm pretty sure he had to be careful with the snacks for himself. So He was eating um, rice cakes. And clearly the dude is he's, – he looks much more athletic now, but I, I'm sure he probably does deal with – if you ever watch The Office of, um, you know, a couple of the, the people denying the food in one episode – and being consumed with it because of their past. I could see Jared Dickey um, messing around and, and pulling like a skit like that. But Is he White Goodman? He shocks himself with pizza in front of him? And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of maybe you all on the road trip, you got to you gotta stun. You, you throw uh, one of the dog collars on him, keeping him away from the, the snacks. <laughs> well, he, brings in, he brings in like a bag of Skittles just to like show <laughs> that he's not going to eat them. He's kind of got that like – that psychopath mentality a little bit. Um, He's a hard worker, man. Dude, when when last, last night he was the like up to bat in that ninth inning. I mean, he was ex- it was his dream come true to step up to the plate. My mentality be like, dang, please let the <laughs> please let the guy in front of me get a hit or strike out or something because I don't <laughs> want to hit. But um, Jared Dickey was, I mean, he was ready to go. Um, and the way that he acted during, you know, when they were reviewing that home run, I mean, he just looks like a silent killer. Yeah, I, I think he was wanting to try to convince those umpires into making that home run. It didn't look very, very much fair to me during the game. I mean, it was a well-hit ball, but yeah, uh, that, that's his mentality. He's a winner. And, you know, he wants to be in those situations and, um, clearly that's why he's so good and because he's so competitive and um, he, he wants to win in those little things. And I think that comes from him um, going through some struggles in his personal life, along with um, being a red shirt his freshman year and things like that. So um, I think it's almost a, a forced killer mentality um, just, just for going through all that failure. Yeah. Go get yours. I like that. Uh, what do you think about this? I want to ask about the pitching staff. Obviously you were close to them last year. Uh, just right out of the gate. I mean, they, they've pretty much done their jobs, obviously. What are your, what are your thoughts early on? Yeah. I mean, obviously Chase Dollander and Chase Burns are just stupid talents. Um, but you, I look at Drew Beam and I see sort of the, the ability that he was throughout the beginning of the year and, and sort of a, a little downcline, not much because he had, still had great numbers, but um, you could see the velocity go down a tad in the last year and I think that comes from a little fatigue coming off injury and things like that but um, Drew Beam has really impressed me with um, his velocity his composure still and he's developed a new cutter that is looks like one of his go-to pitches now so um, clearly there's been some some work in the offseason from him and I think he's only going to improve throughout the year and I, I just think this entire starting role is, is a super polished starting rotation and um, I, I think the sky's the limit for them. But I, I think the key for them is going to be just to stay healthy and to be available in the postseason. And I think if they are, I think they have a decent shot. Yeah, and Camden Sewell coming back soon, that, that's only going to help that bullpen, which is already pretty nasty. But, I mean, it just gives you another veteran in that group. Yeah, and it gives them another option to close a game like yesterday or a Tuesday which, you know, I think South, Seth Halverson came in and did fine. Um, I, I think he gave up. He made a couple mistakes, and, and but that's all it takes in those big situations. But 
Um, he's got the the ability to to hold down that role, but having an experienced guy like Camden Sewell come in and at least give them another option late in those games is going to be huge. Yeah, and speaking of uh, – uh, the question about Camden Sewell, we're talking Gator Killer. So I know we asked this question last time just to make sure everybody can hear the full story. I don't know if you were the ringleader of the donning of the, the Gator helmets, the white white Gator helmets <laughs> – uh, but you certainly looked like it, so I think we're going to give you credit for it. How did, how did that kind of come about, and um, do you regret it? I think that's <laughs> – Well, I was definitely going to regret it if the guys didn't take care of business in the fall. But, you know, luckily, <laughs> luckily I did not have people able to use that over my head. But, um, no, I think it was cool. I think it was fun. And there's no surprise that it's a rivalry going on with Tennessee and Florida. Yeah. So, you know, anytime we had a chance to sweep a good team at their place, um, you know, it, it was it might have been a little rubbing it in, but it was all in good fun. And were they just sitting um, out in the open, just free game? Yeah. So they put us they 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 put us in a spot to change clothes um, before we went home, and they had boxes just full of them that were opened, and you know we might have put them on and, and done some skits and stuff just to mess around. Uh, just, just things that college <laughs> kids would do, but um, probably should have left the phones out, but it was just hearing, <laughs> nice. hearing some, hearing some negative talk while I was catching and stuff kind of wanted to rub some, some dirt on that wound. No, I think, and, I think you're, I think you did the right thing. We've got memes forever now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Legend. And you grew up a Tennessee fan. So like you've always hated Florida. This isn't just when you're at Tennessee. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's always been a thing. And before <laughs> I even got there, Florida was a powerhouse yeah. in baseball. You know, right. so um, getting the chance to go in there and put it on them a little bit, and then also rub some salt on the wound. It helps that I didn't, I wasn't playing the next year either. So um, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was that was get you back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so as a hitter, um, I'm interested to see kind of what that mentality is like because obviously, like the dudes that you're playing against are insane the pitchers you know they can throw 95 right past you but they can also throw an 80 mile an hour curveball so when you're in the box like what's what's your thought process on like are you guessing or is it just like see it out of their hands and and swing or, or what it's that kind of like yeah so my approach was a little different than most of the other guys on my team um i, I was very um mentally in the game to where I was doing whatever I could to pick up on tendencies and things like that of the pitcher. So, you know, guys like Drew Gilbert and Jordan Beck, they were talented enough as hitters to be able to be sitting on a pitch and react to something else. Um, I, I really, over my time at, in college, I, I sort of picked up on that. I wasn't talented enough to do that. And I, I was sort of playing chess with the pitchers of trying to figure out what they were doing to me as a hitter. So um, let's say if a guy was throwing, um, he, if he was ever behind in the count, he was trying to dump in a slider to even it up or get back ahead. Um, I, I was constantly watching the game and looking at it as a, as a pitcher and seeing what I would do to myself. So that was sort of my approach to it. Um, it's kind of a complex approach when it comes to the mental part. You also have to, to worry about not thinking about everything too much and still being an athlete. But um, when it comes to having a plan going in there and trying to execute it and basically playing a live game of chess is what I would call it. And, and 
trying to be one step ahead of the guy. That that was sort of my mentality. Yeah. Do you think being behind the plate and seeing a different angle of the game kind of elevated that play at the plate? You're you're seeing those tendencies from your guys. You know the pitch, how the game's being called. Did that kind of elevate that or? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I, I think that it kind of hurt me physically over the season when it comes to the body fatigue a little bit and not mm-hmm. being prepared for a full season as much as I should have been um, if I would have had experience in that in that um, area. But um, I think that sort of seeing the game from a catcher and hearing Frank Anderson constantly having his strategy go through my head, it definitely helped me when it comes to using that to my advantage at the plate. Mm-hmm. Is Frank a talker? Is he is he walking you through everything? Oh, we're constantly talking strategy while there's a guy in the box. You know, um, he he would tell he would ask me what I think we should do here, and I would put my hand by my leg and, and sort of give him a sign what I think. You know, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, let's do that," or he'd tell me, "You know, this guy he crushes change ups. Let's stay away from change ups." And then I would sort of move my head inside you know, for a heater, for a heater in, he'd be like, yeah, I like that and things like that. So um, we were constantly going back and forth of what we were thinking um, just because he, he was a pitching guy, but I also could put myself in the hitter's shoes and say, Hey, mm-hmm. this guy's, he's definitely cheating to a fastball right here. Let's um, you know, we got a guy like Camden Sewell on the mound that can flip in a breaker ball at will. Let's just get ahead in the count right here. Um, things like that. So it definitely helps having pitchers that, can be versatile and flipping in off speed at any time they want and things like that. And that's what makes guys like Kirby Cannell so effective, but um, being able to play those mind games and, and do the hard part for the, the pitcher's mentality and let them just do their thing. It definitely helped. I just thought about this. Catchers are like superheroes. They have the guy in the chair, you know, calling everything, calling out strategizing. That, that's awesome. I didn't think about it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what made last year so fun, uh, and it, it makes me really upset with myself for not making that decision sooner in my career because that was the obviously it was a great season. We won fifty seven games, but being able to constantly be in the mix of things, um, using that strategy that I feel like was able to give us an advantage in some situations and and just a provide a huge part to, to winning some games was something that I wish I would have done sooner um, where I could have done more of. What was it like uh, getting that first NIL deal? Was that like a surreal moment? You're like, dude, I'm getting paid to like play baseball at Tennessee. I'll tell you what, it kind of made me have a mentality of super humble, but also like, I mean, I, I'm just a kid that, you know, I, you see me walking down the street, you won't even have a clue who I am. Um, So to have the opportunity for someone to think that, you know, I was good enough to get something that was special just because I was playing a game. um, It it was pretty neat, but also it it was almost shocking to me because I I couldn't even comprehend a a company wanting to to reach out to me and and do business with me just because I was good at baseball. So um, getting that opportunity. Is that the first one? Weigel's – no, Weigel's was actually the last one that I deal, okay. dealt with. Yeah, so I had a couple couple companies like Crockett Creek, Beef Jerky, um, Whimsy Cookies. One. They reached out to me as well. And then Weigel's was a big one. But um, I had uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I had six or seven. I had Marcos Garza reach out, and we we did a deal with the law firm and things like that. So, um, it, it was a pretty neat, pretty neat deal to get involved with the community mm-hmm. and um, develop more relationships as well. Is it weird now that you have to buy your own Tennessee gear? Man, I I was there for. There ain't no one that's ever played more games than me at Tennessee. So <laughs> you'll always probably have it. that record. I don't see many people being able to beat it unless we go through a, another pandemic, which, yeah. you know, hopefully that's all all oh, over please, with. But yeah, please, no. I don't even know if playing the most games there is a flex because <laughs> most of the time you want to get out of there by your junior year, but I'll definitely be able to say that I did it. You're you know? in the record books, baby. It's all that matters. I, yeah, and have you met these fans? That That is – I think that's a positive. I mean, yeah. Peyton Manning's Peyton Manning because he came back. I mean – Right. Right. So yeah, I, I like it. I think I think it's a, a good record to hold, and uh, I think you bring up a great point. If you ever do have to buy stuff, uh, calling out the Vol Shop right now, there should be a discount code for Evan Russell, or maybe I would maybe be, maybe Zerk can hook you up. I'll tell you what. Somebody sent me a picture of my jerseys were on clearance one day, and they were like, <laughs> they were like, this is exactly where they should be. You know, just messing around. But yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Soon good. you'll be in TJ Maxx, man. Yeah. <laughs> With all we the be able to get jerseys, jerseys for $7. <laughs> um, Caleb, do you have any more questions? I got yeah, one more. I think, it's, I think it's this is the most important. Okay. Okay. I think, I think this is the most important question. Um, I hope I'm not stealing it. Uh, how bad is Tony Vitello when he, when he shaves? I mean, that's not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tony Vitello does very well. That department, you know, he's actually, for some reason, he's got such a, a bad rep when it comes to people attacking him personally and things like that. So whenever he does have a beard, he, I will say he does very well. Um, and, you know, I think he should keep it. That is my vote that he should keep it. I think he <laughs> I think it makes him look a little more stern and like a uh, like the manly appearance that he wants. But. Man, if he keeps if he keeps going the way he's going in Knoxville, he can I guess he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Absolutely. Fair point. So I guess I have two more questions now that we're talking about Tony Vitello. Who's a better pop-up time, you or Tony Vitello? Because after every hit or home run, Tony Vitello is beating the batter that just hit it to the baseline every time. He's quick, ain't he? <laughs> yeah. Man, he is I, I'll I'll be watching some of some pretty big hits and um man he, he bust out that dugout quicker than anyone else yeah you can't even and, get a bat flip off and, and tony vitello is in the shot i'll tell you what if you want to get under his skin um he does some things or he, during his free time he'll go like jujitsu and stuff like that just to stay in shape and um he, he finds he has a lot of joy when it comes to the ufc and things like that um, just make a comment to him every now and then saying he's slow or um, he's sort of, sort of looking like he's losing a step or two um, <laughs> on his quickness and things like that. And, man, that, that'll get to him. I think he did beat – I think he was down the first baseline before Ross Kivett even knew it was a home run on Drew Gilberts, though, to be fair. I mean, that was – he was fast. He was almost yeah. in the stands before the ball was landed. He probably was. That ball was hit so far. Yeah. Well, I think he, I think he definitely knew that it was coming. He could sort of feel it, so he already had it planned out. Like I'm about to get in, I'm about to get in the spot where the party's about to happen. Try to get up there with him, frat guys. 
Yeah, somebody should have had a like a funnel or something ready for him. Yeah, I mean, there's no telling what he would have done in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last question. Uh, again, Evan, appreciate you coming on. Um, so going back to the Arkansas series in 2021, um, could you repeat what you said to the Arkansas <laughs> dugout after the game? You know, going back probably 20 years from now, I don't know if all, all that talk would have been done. I think we would have just threw the gloves down and, and got after it a little <laughs> bit. Fought, yeah. um, but the social media has definitely um, prevented that from happening just because of the suspensions and things like that. But that's a, another discussion. But, <laughs> I mean, that was that was such a tense series. Oh, yeah, the whole time. Um, and, and me and some guys like, Jalen Battles and um, some of their big, big time players were very competitive. So um, whenever it got to some tense situations, we uh, we were jawing back and forth. And, and throughout that whole series, I was jawing in the outfield with their entire bullpen. Um, it, it almost <laughs> felt like every other pitch we were getting after a little bit. So uh, whenever they whenever they beat us, I probably let my emotions get to me. I let the situation get to me, and it it was anger. It, it angered me because. That was our field. We had done well up until that that series of taking care of it, and then they came in and they were the better team. And that was just it was hard to swallow. But um, whenever someone waves by to you on your own field, <laughs> ah, kind of, kind of digs deep. It, yeah. it it made me um, think of because you were about to take on the whole entire Arkansas team. It made me think of uh, uh, Bad News Bears when he's like Tanner, what happened to you? He's like. I fought the seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have that would have been one of those situations where I mean they would have had a, a heyday with me in the middle of the dog pile, and then I get up and I get up and I send my big brother Jordan back over to, to take care oh, yeah. of him. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Absolutely, well, man. Appreciate you coming on. This is this is a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again and. Um, if you're ever in town, let us know. Happy to – I'll. we're usually there at some of the games, so if you're ever in town, let us know. And um, thank you for the best gift of all time. I, I use that that twerking gift just about <laughs> once a month, so it, it's my favorite of all time. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that <laughs> is uh, – I, I feel like I'll see it every time we play Florida. Yeah. Um, just because oh, that's whenever it happens. So, yeah. Um, something to do with me against Florida, I guess that – <laughs> um, there is a little, little more. Yeah. So yeah, Camden might be considered the gator killer, but you're right there with him. I let Camden kill the gators, and then I rub it in just a little bit yeah. while he does yeah. on board. Yeah. <laughs> a little sidekick. Give me, your, yeah, man. Give me your lunch money, man. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Evan. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you all. Have a great night. Yeah. Y'all too. That was VFL, Evan Russell. Shout out to Evan for coming on tonight, being with us. You can listen to him regularly on Mondays on the Tony Basillo show. I can't remember what time, so you will have to do that investigating yourself. I apologize. <laughs> you, can catch, you can catch him there at some point Monday. Uh, shout out to him. Appreciate him being on. Like I said, uh, one of the greats to don the orange. And uh, he acts like he's not, but he definitely is. He acts like yeah. people wouldn't notice him walking down the street. They absolutely would. Yeah. And, and 
I mean, I think there is something to be said. I mean, my, my one of my uh, favorite comments is, you know, he makes that that point. <laughs> they don't have to call me off the wall because I'm, I'm not the four-hole hitter. I'm not Drew Gilbert. And, and I mean, yeah, Drew Gilbert's a first-round draft talent, and that that's um, obviously, you know, you need him. But uh, guys like Evan running at the wall and, and, you know, playing so many games in orange, coming back for another year, changing the catcher, like that's what makes him special. And, and that's why he's uh, going to always be loved by Vol fans and, um, yeah, no, he's he is, and and that's part of it. He's humble. I think that's part of uh, why it's easy, it's easy to to cheer for him and, and love him. So yeah, hundred percent. All right, so uh, baseball. <clears throat> yeah, and we are going to talk a little bit about Boston College here on on Tuesday night, and um, and it's frustrating, and it's my fault. I shouldn't have gone to the game. Um, <laughs> someone gave me porch seats, and I, I had I had fun sitting out there, but I shouldn't have gone. It's my fault. Or, or was it my fault for making you do the uh, hot dog review? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll, it, I'll it is take your some fault. Blame too. Which I've also, um, I, 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 I got to find out. I did not know ketchup on a hot dog wasn't a thing. That's new to me. Yeah, definitely, ketchup is a thing on a hot dog. Mayonnaise ketchup is not. Maybe. Whoever puts whoever puts mayonnaise on a hot dog is a serial killer. That's gross. <laughs> And I, I don't know who said it either. Uh, smoky dogs are the the better ballpark dogs for sure. Um, but that hot smoky dog. Smoky dog isn't a isn't a like ballpark dog though. Yeah, may, yeah, maybe not baseball ballpark dog, but it's a Tennessee dog. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, it, it's ballpark is just like fresh off the grill, like the rollers. Don't get too excited. Yeah, they're <laughs> rollers, but still, you get it. <laughs> No, it was delicious. Um, you know, not 9.7 on the way in, probably like a 7.6 on the way out. I mean, what can, What else can you – not oh, bad. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. We, this is after dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of the rating, right? Uh, I believe it was Matt Roberts told me um, his son threw it back up coming out of the game. And, you know, I didn't investigate that farther, but I'm going to guess he had more than two probably because – I, I, listen, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm gonna just tell you guys, I I make mistakes. I don't, you know, I don't always do the right thing. I went to Dollar Dog Night at a Lady Vols game a couple years ago, soccer. Um, I had about five dogs, and uh, I was very sick that night. Dang, that five they were all good. Burning a hole in your pocket. They were all good, all good going in, all bad coming back out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're a dollar. <laughs> they got them out like the Dollar Tree. Probably I did. I had food. I, I think I got food poisoning. I mean, it was bad. Dang. Yeah, I threw up for about. It was before the Bama game in 2018, um, and uh, I had to take my own toilet paper to the Alabama game, and we got our ass kicked. So. Well, yeah. I mean, it probably made you even more sick watching that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I was in the uh, I was in the boxes that game, so I had a nice toilet, but I did have to take my own toilet paper. Dang. Yeah. That's rough. Mm-hmm. Brutal. <clears throat> And and also, Brew will go, you know, kind of segueing into baseball a little bit. It, it just – it was a game you should have won, and I hope Tennessee learns from it. You know, that that was a game that they're probably going to look back on and just be like, how? How did we let that slip away? And um, it, it was, there was base running mistakes, sure, and, and that's what pops out to you on first when you, you know, look back on it. But, you know, Tennessee gave up four home runs – and it was on pitchers that, like, I mean, they they face a good part of our bullpen. They faced Lindsey, Halverson, Joyce, A.J. Russell, 
You know, they, they, Xander started, so it wasn't like we just pitched whoever. Um, you know, they, they they saw some good arms and um, barreled up some balls, and you know that that yeah. one that four hundred seventy seven feet. Oh my god! <laughs> I was uh I was walking by their bullpen when he hit that one. My word! I mean, you saw that disappear into the night sky. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a tough loss, but, um, you know, again, like it's, yeah, that, those things happen. You, you, you miscommunicate a fly ball in the outfield that, that should have been, it has to be caught. The outfielder has to call off an infielder. That's baseball one-on-one that has to be caught. Um, and you know, Tennessee, like uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit with Evan is like, th- this team is, is different. Um, than last, you know, we, we were spoiled. I'm not saying this team's bad or, or, you know, any, they don't have a chance to, to be like the team last year, but it, it's going to take a little bit more time. That team was kind of already set in stone, you know, minus the pitchers, the pitchers were kind of all moved, but they kind of meshed and, you know, everything worked. It doesn't always work out that way. And when you're having, you know, a totally new lineup without any kind of nucleus intact, I, I think it is kind of difficult. So, um, I'm not hitting the panic button. You know, things got to get fixed. But they also, like, they weren't perfect last year either. They right. just had the lineup to, like, mistakes like that didn't really matter. You're winning yeah, 12, could... 12 to 4, 12 to 5. Like, you know, those base running mistakes getting thrown out, like, it. there's guys that can make up for it. So it didn't matter. But this this team's different. They don't hit one through nine, can't, can't hit a ball. That's just – Facts. Well, I think too. I mean, you saw them hit enough runs to win most ball games um, on any given night. I mean, it wasn't hitting runs necessarily. That was the only issue Tuesday night. Now, obviously, you can go back to um, your TCU and Arizona loss and say that for sure. But I mean, even that situation, that's just a, that's obviously base running errors. But it's also just kind of digging in, finding ways to win. Um, I mean, even some defensive mistakes you you let up. Uh, or maybe not mistakes in the right word, but maybe just not um, completely ready to win in those situations uh, that, that allow Boston College um, to get back out in front. And it's just it, you got to – I, I do believe it's a learned thing in any sport that when the stuff – when you know, breaks don't go your way, you got to find a way to bow up and um, make the simple plays. I mean, that that's the thing too is – that base running error on Dickie's uh, Papa, or you know, which should have been a uh, sack fly, just it's bad. And you got to find a way to do those simple things right because um, they matter all throughout the game, but especially there in the ninth inning. Um, we had teed up for a walk off, and you you, you couldn't you couldn't get it. Well, yeah, and it. I mean, when you look back on it, it's like Tennessee was like this close on so many different scenarios, like Jared Dickey's home run. Tennessee probably wins yeah. that game if Jared Dickey's home run is called. If they call it fair to begin with, it's a right. fair ball. Which, I mean, I think everybody kind of agreed. Like, I don't know if that's fair or foul. That's tough. Um, he, he just yeah, hit like, a freaking moonshot. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was too high to really know where it was and, and where it went out. But, um, yeah, you had that. And, like, they, they played that five infielder set with two outfielders playing in the gaps. Jared Dickey's it, – it's a double to the wall. If they're not playing yeah. in that, I mean, it, it I mean, was just like the I meant perfect to ask, scenario for that. I meant to ask Evan Russell. I mean, I just can't remember a team. I mean, just about every 
batter they had some kind of shift in for. It was, uh, I mean, honestly, good good scouting. I mean, seriously. They, they yeah. had a lot of guys in the right position. Um, I thought it was very interesting. I'm kind of curious to see if other teams are brave enough to attack it because you've already seen um, – maybe not shifts that severe, but Tennessee be able to to beat the shift on um with some certain guys. So I'm kind of curious to see if anybody else tries to do that going forward or what that looks like after seeing Boston College be successful. Um but I mean I would I would think that's the most shifts I've ever seen a team play against Tennessee. Yeah and and that thing right there it it doesn't happen if Blake Burke stops his set. I'm not saying you know he was safe at third. You'd rather have your guy on third than second hundred with no right. outs. Game winning run, hundred percent. But I'm just saying, if he's not, if he's at second, they're probably a normal. Right. That's a hit. That's a that's a. You win the game that way. So I mean, there was just different opportunities, different situations where you know things probably could have went differently and, and didn't. And Blake, um, Blake Burt's yeah. three feet from a home run in the seventh inning too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, off the bat, if the wind's blowing like it was in the first and second inning, off the bat, that thing's on the second deck of the porch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zane didn't have one that was pretty far. I mean, it, it just – again, things didn't go their way. It happens. Don't hit the panic button. Um, Stanford lost to Santa Clara that same night, 10-5. to 5. Wake Forest lost to Coastal Carolina, 13-11. to 11. Vanderbilt goes 17 innings with Evansville last night. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it just – you know, teams get up for those games and you got to have, you know, like Tony Vitello, some grit and determination um, to win those – those games like that and, and Tennessee just didn't have enough of it on Tuesday night. But again, don't well, Blake Burks have been a three run homer. Is that right? Are there two I on? Don't I don't remember. I, don't, I can't remember either. I think it would have been, which you got to assume you win that game. I, I was impressed with Boston college's ability to hit the ball. So, I mean, you never know. Yeah. And, and that's kind of been, it's kind of been weird. It's like every team that we've played has, has barreled up some balls. I don't know if it's just the sound of the bat, um, but it just seems like everybody is, is barreling up um, some balls. Well, Tennessee, and Tennessee is – they always have, always have with Frank Anderson, they attack the strike zone, which, mm-hmm. I mean, usually means more hittable balls. Um, so I'm sure that, that kind of plays into it a little bit. Um, I mean, and you, you saw like, – Chad Dallas is a guy you always knew. Um, guy, like, somebody on that team was going to get one off of him. Um, sometimes two guys on that team are going to get one off of them. He was usually able to limit them to singles or uh, solo. Um, solo home runs. And, you know, so that was – it never killed you. Um, but, I mean, I, he's just one of those guys that was going to make you beat him. He wasn't going to get – he wasn't going to put you on base. And it, sometimes that kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. Yeah, they did. I mean, they just got to figure out some – they got to get more hitters in the bottom of the lineup. You know, it can't be so top-heavy. And they've done a little bit of better job with that. Moving Dickey back to uh, to fifth and Griffin Merritt at sixth, Mally Hoon at first, um, but it, it's still it's still a little top heavy <clears throat> for my liking and and it the lineup isn't set in stone either. Like there's still guys yeah, there's for squads and guys on their heels. Like Dylan Dryling, he's a guy that like you might see more of him. It, yeah, it's going to be really hard for me to keep him out of the lineup. I mean. Anytime he's in, he's doing something. He's hitting the ball hard somewhere or he's getting a hit. Um, you know, I don't know how great his glove is, but he seems like a good athlete. So I don't I don't think that would be a huge issue. But um right now with Tennessee's the pitchers are the way that they are. I think the lineup is definitely um hitting wise is definitely what you wanna 
build up at this point. And so Dylan Dryling is a guy that I'm like, that's going to be hard for me to keep him out. Right. Um, guys, Sunday, Dylan Atlanta will get well, – well, we'll, sorry, Sunday we'll talk more about uh, weekend series and it's more at the state. But Monday, bat flip, dig in a little bit deeper, all baseball. Yeah. Make sure you tune in for that. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, also, uh, trying to get a sponsor for that. So, if you know anybody, let us know. We'd love to have a sponsor yeah. for, for just that show. So, um, hit us up. We'll get it done. Um, guys, if y'all want to hop in here, we'll do uh, some stupidities real quick. I just want to start on one because I feel like it's going to take a little bit of time. And um, okay. that is uh, Kendrick Perkins. Did you see this? I, I I saw the apology. I think so. So basically, what he he was saying on first take, which first take is just like a, I mean, it's a hot take thing. It's not real news, anything like that. And JJ Reddick was um, happy to point that out. But basically, Kendrick Perkins said that um, Jokic is only winning the MVP award because the people who vote for the MVP, the NBA MVP are 80% white huh. with, but the, the bad thing about it, like he said it, but he had zero backup like <laughs> to the stats or anything to back it up. Like it was awful. And JJ Redick was like, that's not true. Um, we kind of called him out a little bit and, you know, I'm not going to get into the, the race thing, but man, if you have a take like that, have a little bit of something behind it to back it up. Um, but then ESPN came out, or uh, first, I guess Molly, the first day, came out and said ESPN would like to apologize. You know, <laughs> what Kendrick Perkins said was not true. And it's like, when you have to have a formal apology, something you said was not true, it must have been way off. Why did they not have him apologize? <laughs> I don't know. That was weird, too. They just took him. You're done. You just don't. You yeah. Don't well, like at now. the end, he was like, you know, JJ, I ain't got a problem with you. I think it is a conversation that need to be had. And JJ was like, yeah, we're good. But I still don't know why you said it. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, that's so just weird. an interesting take for so many reasons. Um, I, a lot of black athletes have won MVP in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, the the best NBA players are black. Yeah, I. I that that's just that seems like an insane stat. <laughs> like, how do, I mean, how do you point it out like Steve Nash and um, Dirk? Like he had to like go back that far to like point out a freaking <laughs> white NBA, NBA. I mean, Larry NBA. Bird won the MVP. He had no business. <laughs> yeah, it's like they even heard did, him. Did Johnson? you see that, Joe? I think you're muted. I think you're, yeah, you're muted. Yeah. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Okay, I don't know why that happened. I thought I was dead in here. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't follow NBA that much, but I know like JJ Reddick started jumping into the whole other side of it, the entertainment realm. I mean, I yeah, Kendrick Perkins got owned. I mean, JJ Reddick came with the facts on live television, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Mac McClung started this with the dunk contest problem, <laughs> and uh, that's just I, I'm gonna stay out of it. But all right, this is hot take. I mean, your fault. Hot takes, but yeah, I mean. Is Kendrick Perkins mad that he never won MVP? Because let's be like, he was horrible. Yeah, that's always. Hold on. Horrible. Kendrick Perkins is just a mad person in general. He's just a what? He has nothing but what it takes. He's just a mad person in general. 
Um, now that was a uh, the I, I would like to hear. Did he just make up that statistic on the spot, or did he like find it somewhere? That's what I would like to know. He said yeah, that like, he, he said that black athletes have been dealing with this for decades, not getting MVP votes. Yeah, and, and JJ Reddick was like, I can't speak on everybody's experience, but I know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like they haven't had their these troubles with racism and all. Like, I'm not saying that, but not gotten MVP votes, that's just patently false. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just not true. <laughs> I mean, the best players of all time, all black. Point. Top five players are all black, right? Would anybody? Have- I don't. I don't know. I guess that. I mean, it depends on who you ask, probably. But I would think almost everybody's. Or yeah, I would think. Who's your top five, Landon? Landon's gonna get us all on stupidity. It's four white guys looking at each other talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we can't That's win. I don't. Know what Landon wants us to say. <laughs> my my top five would be in no order. I'm not gonna say order because that just leads to another. If you debate. say the first name, I think you're gonna say first though. You are saying in order, so just think about it carefully. I'm going to go Kareem, Magic, LeBron, MJ, and probably Shaq. See? Shaq was such a G. (laughs) That is someone who does not get enough credit. He did when he played, but he doesn't get talked about now as one of the greats. Well, like, I just think that he's he's such a good person. Like, even now – like he's made such a name for himself that it's like, how could you ever say anything? Like no one says anything bad about Shaq. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, but I mean, I'm just saying like, I don't think he gets, I mean, I'm glad you said his name, but I don't, and I don't know if I would have said it my top five off the head. He definitely got it when he's playing. Don't get me wrong. Like he was super respected, but he is, his name is not thrown out in that conversation. Yeah. And he kind of like elevated, like he, I mean, Shaq doesn't look like a guy that could just go out there and hoop, and he could. And a lot of people want to he put Kobe like in there, and like I, I love Kobe too, but sorry, he's not top five. Anybody who puts him top five is a damn liar and a moron. I I I, I don't know if I could go that far. I mean, I'm not saying he's like yes, top. He's five, not top. But- he's not top five. It's facts. Who's that, Kobe? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a hard stance to say he can't be. The, like, there's no reason someone should have him in his top five. That's my point. Well, you know I'm play have him because, like, I don't know what was, you expected. He was like everybody's favorite player, but he's like statistically he's not a top five player. I feel like team sports are different to gauge. Like everyone does these conversations, especially I mean football and basketball the most, but it's kind of like – in terms of gauging the greatest player versus the greatest, like most successful versus greatest, is always like the issue, I guess. In terms of, like we're talking oh, about, yeah, I think it's just like Tom Brady's not. I mean, a hot take, but Tom Brady's not like the most well-rounded athlete. Like he's just not. He's not like the greatest. Yeah, like, Tom, he is. Yeah, I mean, he's not some <laughs> stellar quarterback that you know has like the most you know greatest athlete skill. This is where I got an, I got an argument, and of course, I'm totally biased. But if you're talking about like the greatest, like athlete within each sport like on a level tiger's gotta be like i know that's so like crazy but and it's an individual sport so way easier to tell but out of all like the records and stats like i'll always but like no people are like if you want to talk about the greatest athlete like you're gonna have to like no 
it's not hard to golf. Like you don't have to be ripped. You don't have to be, you don't have to jump. You can be John Daly and smoke cigarettes and drink Diet Cokes. Like you can, it's cool, but. <laughs> Actually, Joel, um, I don't Joel know. How to, yeah, he's he's the greatest golfer of all time. He's yeah. I'm, I'm with that. I'm cool with that. <laughs> cool guy. Drinking White Claws before his uh, second round. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he's awesome. Joel Damon's the best. He. <clears throat> He plays with a uh, hybrid from high school, I think, or college one. Um, yeah, he's the best. I would love to play. I think his that. caddy had to find it on eBay because he cracked the old hybrid, and they don't make it. I can't remember what brand it is, but it's not PXG. Yeah. Yeah, his caddy committed like really aggressively to. I don't know if you watched the show, but he like lived out of his car for like eight months, just like some awesome yeah. car. I mean, <laughs> respect. That's trust. That's an that's an awesome show too. I'm not even a golf guy, and it kind of turned me into at least a semi. Yeah, you are now. It's it's huge, a huge golf guy. I love the small balls. It's almost April. Um, any more stories this weekend? What? what? The players this weekend? Oh, what did you ask me though? I was just saying that you said it's almost April. I was like the players this weekend, TPC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're in a good good stretch of golf. I watched today. Yeah. I got money on Colin Mark. I was so ooh, come on. Um Is but, he leading right now? Going uh, he's one back. It's okay. Back. I forget the guy. The guy who's in first eight under. He just I don't think he's gonna be able to finish through for four rounds, but I mean going wire um, to wire is stupid hard. So I'm glad he's not in first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? That's all it takes. <laughs> Caleb, right, if you didn't have any other, yeah. Uh, um, I've got one. Um, it's Pete Prisco, and he actually tweeted – he quote tweeted me. Um, let's see how many likes I got. Six. How many followers does he have? Um, he's got 116,000 followers. Um, he said if Will Levis went to Alabama or Ohio State, he'd be a slam dunk as a top pick in the draft. Will Levis wouldn't have played at Alabama or Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. And I just said my word – all I said was, like, everyone had already said their pieces. Like, I couldn't have added anything. So, I just tweeted at him. It was like, my word, the ratio. And he quote tweeted. It was like, all idiots. I mean, I went back and looked. He's he's all He was all up on Sam Darnold. I'm sure there's other bad takes I could have found. But I was like, ah, it's enough for me to know this guy's an idiot. Um, yeah, but then, I mean, some people responded. They're like, he didn't even start at Penn State over Sean Clifford. And he was like, Joe Burrow didn't start at Ohio State. But he won a national championship at LSU. Like, this guy couldn't beat Tennessee. What are we doing? Also, yeah, Joe, what do you put on a hot dog? Okay, yeah, I want to talk about this because I felt bad. Because it wasn't like – so there's this guy. It's like this whole thing with the Phillies. He's like this crazy, douchey, Delco Philly fan. Um, and it's like this whole thing that you just like don't put ketchup on a hot dog and that's the right answer. But like – and I don't, but – the moment I said that, I was thinking about it. And I've kind of thought about it for the past couple of days. <laughs> like, I'm really ketchup <laughs> on it now. Because, like, I know it's, like, not that bad. But then I was like, dude, it sounds like I'm kind of sick of, like, old just mustard. So I'm kind of – I'm going to go ahead and revoke that original stance and um, all out it. But <laughs> I don't know. I was just – I think I was feeling a little fired up that night. So I just got a little, little heavy on the Twitter <laughs> thing. Ketchup, ketchup mustard the move. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a good – it makes for a good dog. Now, if you go chili – you either go nothing or mustard only. You don't go ketchup on chili. You go relish? I'm not a relish guy. I've, I've tried it, and I just can't do it. Relish sucks. Yeah, okay, cool. But we're all on the same page. 
I'm also not, I don't like, I can only do like chili. Chili is the most I can do on a hot dog. I know there's a Tommy Trent's, you know, has all those like loaded dogs and I just don't, I can't enjoy a hot, a hot dog is a hand food. If I have to eat it with a fork and knife, I'm not eating it. It's true. Wait, say that again. Like Tommy Trent's, they have those like loaded dogs, but you have to pre, you can't eat them with your hands. And so I can't do hot dogs that way. Like uh, Skyline Chili, I can never have a hot dog from Skyline. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to eat those in one bite. <laughs> you eat a hot dog in one bite? I was talking about you, but yeah. <laughs> you do? No, I do not. Probably I'm proud that. of you. That's, that's impressive. Like <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just guzzling glizzies. <laughs> yeah, the glizzy gobbler. Uh, <laughs> I do have one. Since it's, uh, since it's after dark, I'm just going to go right at it. Jeremy Banks. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in here, it's like on a kind of weird lateral to that. What is John Moran doing? Like <laughs> between him, Joe Mixon, I don't know if that was actually a real story, but apparently like shooting kids with Nerf guns. Uh, Sean Joe Mixon was doing that? That's kind of. Yeah, well, r- remind me of that story. I can't remember now. I think I saw something today that said like they had to like take that original statement back because he might not have like been active actually involved or whatever but apparently like his at his house some kids were playing with a bb gun outside and the report said he thought it was a real gun like shot at the kids or whatever um, <laughs> which is like it's such an insane what did nerf nerf guns what did said nerf but there's no way you can mistake it that's well, that's yeah, what's that's making what questions but I'm assuming Joe Mixon has to live in like a nice neighborhood. But does he think yeah. there's just like a bunch of like eight year old kids running around and he's got the John Moran in him where he thinks that he lives in the hood still? And he's just like, yo, like come running up on my like, you know, five acre front yard. I'll like, nerf <laughs> gun, don't even try me. Yeah, jeez. Was it just a warning shot? Cause that's fair. They get too close to the property and he fires off a warning shot. That's, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, no, He's I mean, an I, NFL player and it's two eight year old kids, Landon. <laughs> if he can't take them out with his bare hands, like, hey, you can't trust Oh, trust me, he can. Either. I've seen the video. He can do it with his bare hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, John Moran, if you want to switch places with me, you can come be the, the thug producer of uh, more important issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We don't, we allow guns. We allow guns in strip clubs. You won't get suspended yeah. if you, yeah, we allow it on this show. Yeah, would John Moran do well in your frat? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not too much. I just – why do you take a gun to a strip club? What's the goal? Well, I get it for someone that's not, like, with the security personnel and a whole bunch. Like, I don't know. I'm sure that's, like, a place where some stuff goes down sometimes, but – but you're probably not even getting in with the gun. I mean, have we not watched the news like the past like three weeks? Like strip clubs are not the place you want to be. Alvin Kamara, yeah. Jalen Carter. I mean, do not go yeah. to a strip club. He makes enough money to bring the strip club to himself. That's a good point. Yeah. Unless that strip well, club's called Brigands, I ain't going. That's the funny part, is it's like he you he has it's like he's got the choice. He's like, well. Man, strip clubs are seeming really dangerous, and I can get in a lot of trouble right now. Should I not go, or should I just like bring my pistol? He's like, no, still obviously, I'm still gonna go. Like, yeah, that decision was not really intact. In also, the security person must be ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah dude, they I must be that. Down, 
They must got the the Vanderbilt security <laughs> patting them down. Dude, last time I went through an airport on the way to Vegas, I mean, that girl got up in like all the. I was like, whoa! Like you're got to pay for that next time. I mean, I don't know if I got profiled or what, but they there's no way I was getting anything in there. I mean, and this was like a five foot nothing TSA agent. That person at the strip club couldn't check John Morant better than that. Yeah, McGee Tyson must be on something because my brother said the same thing happened to him. Well, he <laughs> looks, he <laughs> looks like he, he got searched though. Didn't he? <laughs> he got, didn't he get completely searched? Yeah, they, they pulled, pulled his, his pants down. <laughs> well, I, think, I just got, I just I think he had stepped out of the X-ray. On his hands, and so they were like, "What's on your hands?" And then my brother probably said some dumb shit. No, you know, went down the wrong path. Real <laughs> I'm definitely not faulting McGee Tyson. I'm just saying it seemed like there could be a trend. Yeah, then uh, Las Vegas had – I don't know if I felt any safer. They weren't – they had dogs not sniffing for bombs but training to sniff for bombs. Yeah, that was weird. So I was like, I mean, what is, what is a training dog's hit rate? Because if it's 0%, we're in trouble, boys. Yeah. Well, you also don't have to train in live action. Like you can simulate that pretty easily. I feel like. Dude, there was hate- one dog like pulling on the trainer's uh, leash. Like he was like choked. He looked like my dog when I was walking in. Like, it's oh, oh. like good <laughs> lord, what what stage is he in? Those things scare me every time, dude. I know. I mean, I'm obviously I don't have any drugs on me, but I try to question if I do or not because I'm like. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pull out running four, four, four. Yeah, like, well, I mean, what if you, you run by yourself around, down the wrong homeless person and they like sneeze some on you? It's a Dave Chappelle skit. Sprinkle a little crack. You just walk behind the dog tackles you. That would have been hilarious if we would have been there and Jordan would have got tackled by that dog. I mean, I would have lost it. I tried to pet. I tried to pet a dog in Denver. Um, I wasn't uh, in the best frame of mind, and you know they were. It was a real. You know they were just walking around in a circle. It wasn't like out in Vegas, and I wasn't even thinking. I just saw a dog, and I was like, "Hey, buddy!" And just kind of reached out for him to sniff me. And the guy was like, "Don't pet the dog." So, I mean, I see a good boy. I boop. I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, <laughs> like, good you, lord! Did you miss the bring these cute dogs? Like the entire police uniform sitting next to him, or was it just more like a? I mean, I just wasn't like I. I was. I was not. I wasn't thinking. I, we. It's a human instinct. See a dog, you gotta pet it. That's just. I mean, simple creature. Any more stupidities? Before I tell all myself anymore. That's all I got. All, all right. right. It's way after dark. Guys, it's been fun. Evan Russell. The Vol. The Vol. Yeah, notice him on the streets. He doesn't think he gets noticed on the streets. He definitely will. So, uh, shout out to Russell. Um, shout out Ball Baseball. Shout out Ball Basketball. Back tomorrow against Missouri. And uh, we'll be back on Sunday talking about, hopefully, an SEC championship that day. And uh, we're bringing the boat in, and we out.